Welcome to the social medium. No, I'm not a medium, but I do love different mediums, like social media and podcasting. You may know me from Savoir Vive by JJ, or my Beauty Fuel Food by JJ. Now, I am a business founder and entrepreneur. Take three, let's do this. Today, I'm sitting here in Bedford Hills, New York at the Katona Yoga Center with Naveen, the creator of Katona Yoga. Thank you so much for being here, Naveen. Oh, thank you. So, um, Katona Yoga is something we're hearing a lot about these days. I'd like to know from you what Katona Yoga really is. Ah, right? There's so much there. Okay. So, you know, I'll start by saying that Katona is a tan in Westchester. And so the way it got its name was because I taught there for 25 years. And then we moved to Bedford Hills. So I've now been teaching about 45 years, right? Wow. Yes, I've been teaching forever. It's ridiculous. But so in some ways, uh, the name is just because it's a location. And location is good to know because then you know where to go. Right. Right. So we picked that as our name. But really the trick was when I started to do yoga, um, it was just coming in to yeah. the West. Well, you know, I, I say that and on the other hand, yoga has always been known, it's always been popular, and there's always people doing yoga. But it became very much more mainstream, right? And then once you had Title IX, every young person started doing yoga because everybody became physical. Mm. So there's a lot of physical narrative, right? So I started doing yoga a long time ago, and I was fortunate enough to stay with the Indians and with the Dallas, and I was also a religion major when I was in schools and I love mythology and I love um, religion, right? So for me, yoga was a spiritual practice. I know there's two types of religion, personal religion, organized religion, and yoga belonged to personal religion, which is also why it's become so big. Right. Right, because really everyone needs personal religion, personal time management, how to use your 24 hours a day. So in some ways, it's so practical and so pragmatic, but when it first so it became popular, it was still very, um, I'm going to say, culturally infused. Okay. So the flavor that yoga had was a flavor of India, as opposed to really uh, a deeper level of like, uh, you know, it's a dialogue between mind, body, breath. Right. Right. So the Taoists know that. The Hindus know that. Um, there are a lot of Europeans who knew that. Eventually, the world is open source. Anybody can know that. Right. So... That's a big piece of my practice, was that the world's open source, I learned a lot of material. Then I processed it. Then I know how to teach it. So I teach, um, I don't want to say it's very Western yoga, because that's not really it. I teach it in a very pragmatic language. So I don't use chakras. We talk about, we, don't, we talk about glands, we talk about musical scales, we talk about notes. You know, welcome to learn about chakras. But that's not the core of Katona, right? So What is the core of Katona? Um, the core of Katana is really techniques to up your ability to um, be well, because life is very hard. Mental illness is very prevalent. It's always been. The problem for most people is mental illness, losing their mind, yeah. not being able to um, deal because life is very hard. So that is a big piece of yoga, you know, the idea of learning techniques to become powerful. So I teach a very technical type of practice that is really based on how to use your mind, body, and breath to, um, to become well, right? Once you're well, then it's easier to help other people become well. Then yeah. it's easier to start moving it out, realize, well, you really can't be well unless the whole planet is well. So it's not just take care of yourself, it's really make sure the waters are clean. Yeah. Make sure you tend your fires, make sure you're vigilant, make sure you behave well. So, you know, the goal is not the asana, but asana is part of the practice because you have to use the body. 
Right. And that's why I love Hatha, because Katana is part of Hatha. Hatha practice is one-third mind, one-third body, one-third breath. So um, there are a lot of disembodied yogas, there are a lot of disembodied practices, a lot of practices that are more engaged with psychology and physiology. But Hatha, by definition, demands that physiology is a huge piece of the practice. So okay. it keeps you honest. So I like that. Completely. Yeah. No, I yeah. completely relate to that. I mean, when I did my tra I did the Hatha training, and it was probably the most difficult month of my life because I actually had to sit with myself and yes. think. Yes. Well, you know, it's very easy for imaginations to fly, yeah. and that is part of first nature. But bodies don't fly. So one has to realize that when one's doing uh, practices, there's a difference from flight of imagination and really keeping the mind in the body and figuring out how to use the body with what it can do for you. A body will never fly, but it can, it can unravel knots, it can flush its own glands, it can, you know, um, uh, articulate, it can help you find level, it can protect you, it can get you places. So the body is the big ally. So when I think of Katona, another piece I always like to put in is, Katona is really based on metaphor, because how do I put this? When when we teach people like our system and people are certified in our narrative, right? The game is you have to have a certification from something else. 200 hours of any other kind of yoga that you like or a different body dialogue. So we have okay. our core professionals or the gymnast professionals who come to us with their certifications from a different game. Then we can overlay because most practices are teaching how to speak language. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is teach how to become fluent in language, and mm -hmm. it's not the same. Because when you teach somebody you're conjugating verbs, you're teaching them how to do the poses, you're teaching them you want the poses a certain way. Mm -hmm. right? I really don't care how you do them. I just care that eventually um, it's fluent, that you know how to get where you need to go with that pose, that you know well, to speak a language well isn't the same thing as conjugating the verbs. But you need the conjugation. 100%. Yes. So the first piece is very generic. That's really not my... Not even to say my strength, it's not what I put out because it's well done by lots of places. Lots of people can teach you how to do asana. But I know then how to add metaphor because the only way you really um, communicate with other people for your soul and your spirit and what's implicit is through metaphor because it's all about reflection, understanding a concept, revealing something that is abstract but articulated well. So, metaphors is a big piece of yoga. So, for us, the body's a house. You have to learn. Yeah, let's talk about the body as a house. I love this metaphor. Okay, that's, you know, Jerry and I have like three or four. That's one of our big ones, right? So, we'll start with that one, then I'll give you two other metaphors so that you realize that a metaphor is never enough in itself. Right. You use a metaphor until you need the next one because, you know, these are spiritual practices. So, God is great, the universe is expansive, and you can't put it all in one metaphor. Right. But a metaphor will give you a clue. So one of the big metaphors, and it's one we use when we break down the magic square, which is another big piece of game theory and mapping that we play in our practice. But that's part of mandala. So, you know, it's very classic. It's just, they're my mandalas, right? Yeah. But um, it's very classic in yoga that one draws the, the map, mm -hmm. right? That one knows the compass. One knows how to orient oneself and center circumference. Right. So all the maps you know, are really, again, yoga maps, right? But one of our yoga maps is the idea of the body's the house. We base on the low shoe, it's magic square, Dallas magic square, three by three um, grid pattern, looks like a tic-tac-toe board. And in that grid, we basically divide the body as 
a house with nine rooms. Three rooms in the bottom, three rooms in the middle, three rooms on top. So the three rooms in the bottom would be sort of equivalent to your right hip, your left hip, and your pubis, right? The three rooms in the middle would be equivalent to your right hand, your left hand, and the position of your third hand. And the three rooms on top would be equivalent to the right side of your brain, the left side of your brain, and the third eye. So basically, it is nine rooms, but of course, the sum is always greater than, excuse me, the whole is always greater than the sum of the parts. So it's one house with nine rooms. So we start by breaking down a body into a blueprint. You know, you want Mm -hmm. to visit somebody's house, they can give you blueprints out. The basement's here, the attic's there, the kitchen's here, and then we get the staircases. The staircase is a neurological traveling route. It is, you know, very refined, very sophisticated. It is very Taoist. It is, you know, classic Mm -hmm. because there's nothing new. Right. right. So once you know your codes and your numbers, eventually you can organize the blueprint game. Right. So we break down a blueprint and then we teach people how to travel around themselves. Because when people do practice, we always know they're going to work hard. Everyone does their best. The big trick is not are they working hard is it really is, is it efficient? Is it mm-hmm. going to get them what they want? Mm-hmm. So if you swim across the ocean and you're a kicker, not a stroker, eventually your legs will give out. Right. If you're a stroker, not a kicker, your arms give out. So yoga, very different than medicine in that it's a mystical practice, not a medical practice. Um, if you break your arms, it's because it's your best game. So in medicine, what's broken is your weakness. But right. in yoga, it's almost the opposite. You always break your best game right. because you don't use your worst game. You use what you think is going to help you. Completely. Right? So the game really is to know what you do, what is obvious, what is explicit, which rooms in your house you like to hang out in. Well, then we get information from rooms you don't go in. Generally, when a room is a mess, the problem is in that room is that you spend too much time there, right? So it's an art in a funny way to organize a metaphor well enough that the person can um, impose it on themselves, impose it on others, know that, ah, well, if I'm a house, you're a house. Everyone has their own house, has a different body temperature, right? Has different visions, different windows, different atmosphere, right? But eventually, you know when a house is a mess, you know when a house is housing someone that's mentally ill because they can't take care of it. You know when a house is well-tended because you want to go visit them. So all these are part of the narrative of using the body as opposed to disembodying. A lot of yoga is designed on disembodying. A lot of meditations are very disembodied. But in the long run, the goal really is to know how to um, use the body, live in the body, and be grateful. Because when you disembody, no one's finding the body. Right. Right. And so it's very easy for accidents. It's very easy to get hurt. It's very easy to not find your way back in. Right. Yeah. So yoga, you know, that's a very big piece of hatha. It's a piece mm-hmm. of hatha. So we play the body of the house. We play that you have nine doors, actually ten doors, right? Ten ways to get in and out of your house. All your doors are basically set up in pairs. So, you know, you have a mouth, you have an anus, front door, back door. Yeah. You have ears, side doors, you have eyes, right. you know. So eventually we teach people the whole blueprint of where the doors lead, what it means when you're articulating with the mouth as opposed to with the eyes or with the ears, because everything is sensible. The universe is incredibly sensible, and the art is to um, participate, use it well. So how exactly um, does the house play into healing oneself using the practice? Well, you know, again, you know, playing it as a metaphor, you know, when someone comes in, it really doesn't matter what the issue is, right? In a funny way, you always first do the same things. 
you flush the toilets, mm -hmm. you help them open the windows, mm -hmm. you help them get out the smell of smoke, mm -hmm. you help them organize their kitchen, make a nice meal, right? So in some ways, when you're doing the therapeutics, and all yoga is therapeutics, just like all music is therapeutics, right. all techniques to participate and soothe your soul, feed your spirit, and enhance the joy of being alive, right? right? So um, in the therapeutics, or even not, I, I watch how you do something and I see if it's sloppy. I see where it's well done. I see where it's not well done. Mm -hmm. And then the truth really is to help guide you into doing it in such a way that it serves you better. So lots of people need help cleaning their houses. I've heard a lot of stories of also you personally seeing somebody, you know, walk into your studio and say, you need some cleaning. Well, how, how does this... Yes, it's not quite like that because, you know, the game really is that yoga is magic. And magic is very pragmatic. Right. So I start by saying that no magician pulls a rabbit out of the hat without first hiding the rabbit. Okay. Okay? So it's all technique. And that's why it is not psychological. The tone of anything, if we can teach anything, is that minds lie, bodies don't. Mm -hmm. okay? So the practice on a psychological breath is a physiological breath. Um, breath um, has a first nature. You're going to breathe anyway, but it can be trained. Right? So the dog really is to know how to manipulate your breath so you can, in a sense, control your emotions, so you can use your winds, so you can pump your way through as opposed to get flat, you know, flattened out. Mm -hmm. so, um, so with that in mind, it's very, very technical. I read bodies technically. I will never guess. I don't need to, right? right? If I'm a baker, I should be able to walk into any bakery, taste their cookies, and know how it's made. Right. Because these are techniques. Right. And that's why the goal is to really understand how to understand the technique that the body's a house. You know, mm -hmm. go to the basement and you got three rooms there. You got a garage, you got a laundry room, you've got a boiler room. Right? Well, depending on what's broken, I'm gonna know. Oh, it's broken in the laundry room. Oh, it's broken in the boiler. It's not arbitrary. Mm -hmm. You know, in front of you is always, in a sense, your potential. Behind you is always your past. In the middle is always your presence. So when you watch somebody doing asanas or anything, you check their ankles. Right, so if they lean too far forwards, you know that it's acute into the potential. They lean too far back, you got an obtuse angle. So the geometry is just like the construction of a building, right? How does an architect know where to put the windows? You know, you have to know nature. You have no great nature. You have no personal nature. And eventually, it's not a guess. Another very big metaphor we use is baking, right? Because yoga, alchemy, chemistry is all the same. Mm -hmm. You have no proportions. You have to know what you want. You have to know how to calibrate your oven. You have to know how to um, stay within the confines, and you have to know to manipulate time, mm -hmm. right? You have to know when something's ready. You have to know not to burn your products. So in some ways, the trick really is to use your techniques. Another one I really like, just in metaphors, is, so in Buddhism, there's a big game of learning how to unravel the knot, right? Okay. And, you know, I love the Buddhists. They're, you know, first of all, anything that has virtue. Right, and they have great techniques. So I rub all the stuff. Right, but the Buddhists will teach you to unravel the knot. And when you learn to unravel the knot, then they basically tell you that there's nothing under it because when you unravel the knot, it's empty. So that's the theme of shunyata. That basically, when something's knotted up, it's just bad technique. Mm -hmm. But sailors, which are part of the rest of the narrative, spend a lot of time teaching you how to make a good knot. Mm -hmm. Because if you know how to make a good knot, it'll save your soul. And that's why it's not enough to just unravel your knots, right? You have to really know how to make technical knots, right. how to make sailor's knots, how to make, you know, stitches, 
how to, you know, manipulate. Totally. So it's very technical. Now, when I watch somebody do something, so I say, oh, do the lotus for me. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, these people already know how to do practice, so my job is not to sit there and show that in a sense, but I can see how they do it. Right. Then I get to see where their technique is serving them or is too tight or is off or won't work four steps later. Right. Okay? So it's never a guess. When we do body reading, it's never a guess. It's just like being a restaurant critic. You go to the restaurant, you sit down, they show you, you can read the meal, and their job is to be a little anxious. What are they going to see? What are they right. going to think? But, you know, this is why it's two-way street. If the critic is not kind, he looks for the flaws in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And he can ruin a restaurant. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the critic knows that the deal is between the restaurant and the critic that, you know, we want to make the restaurant better, and we want to invite people in. Well, then the trick is how... Do we really see it in the round? Right. So I see, you'll see everything, not only looking at the meal, you look at the ambiance, you look at the tables, yeah. you're looking at the dirt. Well, when I read about it, I look at everything, where the eyes go, how, you know, how they organize the pose, what they don't know, what they do know. And then the whole goal is to make it sort of better, just more, more functional, right? More fluent, more interesting. Right, because when you are more functional, your health is better. Because the world designs it that way. It is designed to fit. It is designed to function when the fit is good. So that's why you don't buy shoes that don't fit because eventually it's not fun. No, you pay. Yeah. So that's the premise over and over. And any metaphor is how do you fundamentally learn to fit? Because when you fit, not only do you find out that you're designed to fit, but you're also designed to fit the next person. Then you design to fit the planet. Then you design to fit the solar system. So it bumps it up that it is very mystical, but it brings it back down to the idea also it's very pragmatic, mm -hmm. right? It's like it's your job to fit. Mm -hmm. It's your job to be sensible. It's your job to use your stuff. So even if you have a housekeeper help you clean your house, in the end, it's not their job to throw away your crap. It's your sure. job. You don't want them to. And that's how it's truly intimate, the implicit piece that nobody sees is your responsibility. So, yoga is also tremendously about, um, I don't want to just say self-care, because self-care is a very big theme today, and so yeah. self-care is very big, and the problem with so much self-care right now, because real self-care, just like real yoga, is not commercial, it's personal. Right. You do a practice, you don't, it's your problem. Yeah. You do, it's yours. So, real self-care really has that very spirited element, as opposed to just the soothing element. And the spirit wants to kick butt, get it done. Get out of your way, flush the toilets, clean the garbage, mm -hmm. do what needs to get done, mm -hmm. right? So yoga was, especially classic yoga, was not about being a good soldier. No yoga would join, no yoga would join the army. That wasn't the point of being made. Right. It wasn't militant. It wasn't colonial. It right. was really antisocial, right? It was to actually not be part of, right? Mm -hmm. So... So yoga morphs and it changes, but underlying, it has become powerful enough that you make choices, that you decide how to get where you need to go. Now, if you know how to read a map, it makes life easier. So we teach a lot of mapping. Yes. Right? Where you are, where you want to go, how to get yourself there. Same thing as cookie recipe. You want the product. Well, there are steps. And then when I see it doesn't come out right or you're lost, I get to see which step you missed. But... We backtrack. So it's never, as I said, a guess. It's never like, I would never just look at somebody and say, oh, you have this, you have that. Even though I'll know, right? Because a fashion designer will know when they walk into somebody's party and someone walks in with right. shoes that don't match. But it doesn't mean it is their job 
to judge or to say anything. Right. Right. But if you come in and say, I need you to help dress me, then that person with their game would be able yeah. to say, I don't wear those shoes. Yeah. I, totally. Yeah. So, um, Gurdjieff, who's one of my favorite teachers, I mean, I have a lot of, because I'm a good student. I like, I, I like to learn and there's so much intelligence. Right. right. But somebody asked Gurdjieff, well, how do you really start the esoteric dialogue? And his comment was, you can talk about anything that they're good at. If someone has an expertise in something, you will eventually be able to pull out the magic hmm. together. Because, you know, if you're really great at playing tennis, you can talk about cross-referencing, the ping of joy, which is the thymus gland, using a well-woven net with pressurized ball, knowing that contact you know, connects, gives you the buoyancy. So there's, it doesn't matter what you're good at because the universe is infinitely happening right. and intelligent. So the next thing, now that you ask the question, is the game of open source. Okay. And that is also why Katona is so big today because I teach practice that is very designed for our age, right? Meaning that it's not lineage-based. You don't need a lineage today. You can go online and anything you want. Mm -hmm. So you're not beholden to a lineage in some ways that might be frayed, might be damaged, is old, is of a different age. It doesn't mean you don't want the material. Right. Right. So today that's very available. Anybody can learn anything they want. So True. I'm very happy to give anybody any of my material. I don't ask anything for it. Um, after you've done a 200 hour certification with us, which demands that you're doing other things, we basically tell you go off and use the material and have fun, right? Have a good life. Now, of course, we'll have a big directory. We make sure that I have a huge library bank so people can eventually learn more material, people can take things. But the game is to use what you know yeah. to serve your practice, right? If you practice well, eventually it's easier to teach others. Yeah, of course, yeah. like yeah. anything. Like anything. That's why it's practical. There's no difference being a yoga teacher than anything else. Except that to really teach yoga, you really do have to add the sense that it is mystical practice. Because you can. What does be a, that mean to you, a mystical practice? Well, it really means that understanding of one's position in the universe. Okay. Right. That the universe is um, is not personal. It is universal, right. and that you're not here unless the rest of it's all here. Right. So it is not um, um, person centric. Right. It's not. Gender-centric, you know, the soul has no gender, the planet mm -hmm. has a soul, stars have souls, the moon has a soul, people have souls, right? So the trick really is, it is a practice of spirit and soul. Mm -hmm. So knowing that as long as you breathe and other things are breathing, they're breathing, they have a spirit. Right. So to actually be inclusive as opposed to, it is about man, right. or it is about me. So um, being a baker, you don't have to have that mystical guidance. Right. Right, which is why you can be a nice baker, be a bad baker, but if you know how to make the cookie, it's okay. It's okay. Right. But if you're really teaching practices that demand that you are self-responsible, that you know how to um, organize the vision and the narrative, if you're going to write, then you have to know that's what you're teaching, mm -hmm. because otherwise, it's very destructive, right? And mm -hmm. mental illness um, comes from all different things. Like that's that was my next question. So. Mental illness, Katona Yoga, where is the lineage of that? And also, I just want to add that, you know, when I had arrived at the studio, um, I was talking with some of the girls, and they were saying, you know, gosh, like, all we do is walk around all day to say how gr grateful we are. Yes, and, like, we're all grateful. 
Because one should be grateful. One should be grateful. But it's not always that easy. And how does the tone Well, because again, it is a technique. It is very technical. It is not emotional in the sense that I'm really not interested in your feelings. I'm really not interested in um, why you feel that way. I'm interested in your behavior. Okay. Yeah? So yoga is very much about behavior. You come in and say, I do it this way because I feel it's like, well, that's not the way we do it. We do it by math. Okay. It's like, no, no, no. If you okay. do origami, fold your corners right. If you, you know, if you can't articulate and it's making you leak, well, eventually, when we plug up the leak, you'll be able to articulate. So the game is you have to be responsible. You know, um, we bake a good cookie, right? And and we're not stupid. So we also know that other people bake great cookies. So we tell people go everywhere, learn everything, then go home do whatever you want. So you can't just learn this material. We're not interested in people just thinking they teach katana. What we really want is people to know how to use their mind, their bodies, their breath to behave well. Because everyone gets the exact same amount of time a day, 24 hours. Right. So yoga is a practice of how do you mediate your time. So that's why I build calendars, part of time management. Mm-hmm. Okay. Organized religion, you make the deal, you follow their calendar, and that's how you know the organization. Personal religion is personal time management. Where are you when? How do you play with your time? How do you mediate your time? Um, so, uh, you know, it's part of the practice. Mm-hmm. Now, you know if the practice works if people are grateful, mm-hmm. right? You know the practice has issues if people feel threatened, right? So, right. just like a cookie. You know the cookie's good if it's spongy and tasty and chewy and whatever, and you know that you blew it when... It's burnt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you know, you're constantly engaging. I've been teaching 45 years, right? I've worked with a lot of people and a lot of bodies, and there's a lot of really smart technique out there. It's just like music. There's a lot of smart music, a lot of smart musicians. So the body's an instrument, the mind is a musician, the breath is tone, the actual melody, and the game is first learn how to play yourself. Mm-hmm. So we teach toning, tuning, all your glands are the same thing as the notes. I can break down a whole, you know, musical narrative that takes about four hours, right, to teach the musical meditations. Because there's lots of different ways to organize. Um, we play between great nature and personal nature, mm-hmm. right? Great nature is all your major polarities. There's winter, there's summer. Right. There's, you know, life, there's death. There's left, there's right. And personal nature is always mediation. So it's your ability to deal with winter and summer, right. your ability to deal with potential and memory, right? And then as we say, eventually it's also set up by reflection because when you play with somebody else, you reflect each other, right? So you can't really find the drishti of joy alone. We always say we have a formula for the drishti of joy, which is like a formula for a chocolate chip cookie, right? And to actually achieve it, to get it, it really only happens when, like they just say, you sing to the audience, but then you want the audience to applaud back. right? Right, because it takes the conversation, the conviction, right. the conversion, the virtue, the vision. So we're cognizant, and that's what we teach. I think that's also really powerful to kind of go back to this idea of you know, the practice is what it is, but then go and do what you want with it. And that's such a great example of how now it's become such a big thing in culture because there's skyting, there's womb center, there's the studio, there's it's, tons. But there is not another Katona Yoga no, Center. There's no. one. Well, we did that on purpose because we realized that um, in terms of what goes, 
on in the world. Um, I wasn't interested in a franchise. Right. I'm not interested in people teaching my material. Right. I'm interested in people learning our material and then using it. Right. Now, to really use it, they have to know other things. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not original unless you know at least two things. Otherwise, you're plagiarizing. Right. You only have one thing. All you're going to do is parrot. But if you have two things, then you can sit there and start discriminating, discerning. Oh, this suits me. Oh, this proves that. Oh, if I add this to that, I get even more bang for my buck. Right. So, uh, you know, so I'm smart enough to know that I will get more if I have incredibly talented people who already know how to practice and do things, and they overlap. So I don't care which way they start. They start with me, and then they find something else, or they start with something else, and they find me. In the end, they're going to do themselves. Right. Right. So that is the point. Now, because we don't franchise, we make these different deals, right? And our main deal is... Um, if they finish their certification, they can say they're certified Katona teachers, but they'll also be certified something else, right? right? Um, if they haven't finished and they won't use our materials, they have to say inspired by it. Mm -hmm. We ask that they say this stuff so that eventually it links back and somebody will press that button and end up in our website. Mm -hmm. And when they end up in our space, then they have to find my library. Mm -hmm. Then they can find our real material. Mm -hmm. Then they can see how to learn more, right? right. Um, that's why you do 200 hours to certify. People will do, with Anton and Sacred Fig, mm -hmm. 50 hours. Then they'll do Dages. Then they'll go to Abbey at the studio. Then they'll go, as long as you're certified with us, you get to teach Got it. other people to be able to use the material. Mm. Right? So we just keep along. Their jobs keep their long. And then, you know, Eva, who runs our real teacher's training stuff, she's in touch with all the people. And when they say, I have 200 hours logged in of Katona trainings, then they have to come here. So then it doesn't matter if they're from China, it doesn't matter if they're from Sweden, they have to come to Bedford Hills. They give me four hours, so I do a body read for them, right? And then they take classes from the other teachers and the other one. Yeah. Awesome. Then they get the little certificate and that's it. So there are people who were certified 30 years ago. They don't have the material that the people who are certified today have, right? But it doesn't matter because you can only teach what you know, mm -hmm. right? So, so it saves me. Uh, you know, and it saves them, and then they're not diminished when they go off and have a life, and they found their little niche that they like to do this practice. But then one day something else will, right? And they can always come back because there's two deals they have to do to be certified. They have to agree to stay connected, community, community, and they have to agree that when they really do use my material, which they do, that they give us a little bit of credit and say this comes from Katona. Yeah. If we get that, then I build my product. So I'm in the middle of building some very, really nice products. And we ask all these people eventually to move our product for us. And that's how I make my money from my material. So I don't want anything from them. But if I produce well, then I will get something out of them. Right. So that's our deal. So Works for us. 45 years of practice. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Isn't what? that amazing? That's so amazing. Yes. Yes. When you think about it, but it's really not. There are bakers who bake 45 years. Yeah. There. I mean, if you started anything at 20. Right. And I'm 65. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, so, so if you're 20, you describe your yoga, though? Like, where, when did, what was the moment? Uh, okay. So, so I went to Vassar. I was a religion major. Before then, I was always into religion. So I really understand religion because I love great nature. So 
So, you know, I always studied God. I always studied myth. I always studied Celtic fairy tales. Mm -hmm. I always studied all, you know, I, that's my mind. Oh, originally I'm from Egypt, but I was raised in America. Okay. So, you know, that's a whole nother story. Okay. But yeah, so I'm not quite typical. I'm not quite mainstream. But on the other hand, you grew up here. I grew up here and I know how to behave here and, you know. And it's my life, and right. half my family's in France, so one day you meet all my nephews and cousins. Cool. Yes, because they'll meet Dejas, because, right, because we have a big consortium out there. Yay! Right? But, um, so I studied religion, and I love Buddhism, I love Hinduism, I love Christianity, I love Jew- I mean, I'll study any religion. Right. Because God is great, right? And God is not a man, and God is not a woman, right? And for me, the easiest way to play with the narrative is to play with great nature and play with metaphor. Right, because otherwise the dialogue gets very limited mm-hmm. when you're starting to use language that has been sort of appropriated by major religions. Okay, so I said a lot of stuff, but one day I um, meditation was coming in, so you know I learned a bit in college, and one day I saw a picture of a person doing nidrasana, which is Buddhist sleep, and I realized the universe is perfect. It is designed that if you learn that all your habits, the arch of your foot. Is designed to my arch your neck like a hand in a glove. So it took me 40 years to get the pose right. Because you have to iron out all your habits so it's not contortion. Mm-hmm. So you can really, you know, undulate the way. But the you foot, literally saw that photo and, and you I saw and figured I it out? I knew. Ah, because, you know, I understood what the goal was. Right. Just like, you know, uh, so I understood the goal. Then I finished college and I went traveling and I went to Sri Lanka. I spent months there and I did a lot of breathing work and meditations there and then I came back to New York and I looked for a yoga studio and there was a hopper studio on 72nd Street or maybe two in New York and you go in and after three weeks you're teaching because even in India right. that's all it was you know it's right. like yeah today you need a PhD and it's not that you're doing better yoga right but it's <laughs> right. really it's about practice so if you're a musician and you practice and you have some good training you have good ear and you have some good sort of like people telling you when you're flat and sharp, eventually you're going to get good mm-hmm. because it's designed. If you read, which is not natural, so you're trained, it's formal, but eventually it becomes second nature. Well, then you have options. What do you want to read? Right. So that's how these games work. That's why once you have an interest in something, there's really an opportunity to um, get the magic out of it. Right? So... I found yoga, then I had a student who was Taoist, who was Chinese, mm-hmm. and we were 26, and I was teaching, and they said, the Taoist coming out of India, uh, out of China, they're in Chinatown. So we ran out to Chinatown, and we found Montan Chia, and all these guys, and they started, so I went off of their orbits. So, you know, it was coming through, so of course, one is of one's era. So a lot of yoga was coming through, Ayanga was coming through, Ashtanga was coming through, you know, Shivananda had been coming through for 20 years already. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? Yogi Bhajan started in 68. So, and I'm playing in 76 when okay. I started. So, you know, the wave. Did you uh, feel alone? Well, for me, it wasn't about that. It was, you know, um, how do I say? Um, I'm very disciplined, and for me, as I said, it was a practice. So I know how to practice. Okay. Practice was what I used to not be lonely. Right. Right. So then right. I had children young. When I had three kids, I practiced. I always practiced. So I have a very sophisticated practice. Mm-hmm. That's what lets me teach. Right. So 
unlike a baker that really bakes professionally and eventually probably never bakes at home, mm -hmm. yoga demands really that you bake at home, mm -hmm. right? And then if you're fortunate, you can teach others. Mm -hmm. But most important thing is personal. Mm -hmm. So I have a great practice. So okay. you're downtown Chinatown. Sorry, I totally cut you off. Oh, yeah. So I started, so I learned their stuff in Chinatown. Then I trained in Chinese medicine and Chinese theory and did all my certifications in five element work when I was about 32, 33. And at the same time, I was doing a live hop and teaching. Okay. Right? So eventually then, um, like anything, you do your own work. You figure out your own stuff because it's supposed to be self-education. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it is not a commercial enterprise to teach yoga. It really is much more like music in that first you go to music teachers, but eventually the proof is in your practice. The proof is in your playing. The proof is in being uh, in a duet in mm -hmm. or knowing how to use it to soothe your soul, feed your spirit, right. play alone, play well with others. Right? So it's one of the other big metaphors, right? Bias instrument. Another big metaphor we play with so I give you three, right? We play with the house, fans of the instrument. The other very big one is the body's the car, okay? So the body's your vehicle. You drive your vehicle with your breath. That's why when you learn pranayama, you're learning gas station work, mm -hmm. right? How to, like, put gas in the tank and air in the tires and how to, like, rotate your tires and make sure that your mirrors are good. So it's a tremendous amount of um, driver's ed, mm -hmm. right? So... You have the body, that's the car. You have the driver, it's going to be learning how to play your breath properly as opposed to being emotional and erratic driver and slamming into people. Right. And then you have the mind, which is the passenger. It is the job of the passenger to know where they want to go. It is the job of the driver to know how to drive that car. It is the job of the car to help get you there. So sometimes I'll get people who have terrible cars. Like, you know, they're bad fortunes. They were not given good bodies. Right? Um, but they have great minds. They know just where they want to go and they can be trained on the breath. Some people have amazing cars, but they're drunk drivers, mm -hmm. right? Some, you know, so, again, just like you're looking at a house, you're going, well, where's the issue? Is water flooding the basement or is fire burning down the attic, mm -hmm. right? Is the door stuck or are they drafting? All the windows are mm -hmm. open, right? So you can play it in so many ways that eventually, of course, you can understand what's going on, mm -hmm. right? So when you play it as a vehicle, do you run out of gas all the time? Right? Do you not put air in your tires? Well, that's all gland stuff. That's breath work. Mm -hmm. It's the job of your breath to manipulate your glands. Mm -hmm. okay? If you don't know, you have gland issues. That's, that's the whole point of learning your pranayamas and sort of why you position yourself in certain forms to flush your glands so that eventually they work for you. Right. It is not just to flush the glands. It really isn't. It's not just to clean the car. That's why people really talk drive straight. You don't drive straight. You drive to a destination. Mm -hmm. You keep the eyes on the road. Mm -hmm. okay. So it is to refine even the dialogue. You know, people come in and they do yoga and they still really believe the sun rises, sun sets. Sun doesn't rise. Sun doesn't set. You rise, you set, planet spins. Well, that's what it means to know that these are mystical dialogues. Mm -hmm. That it is you that gets up. Mm -hmm. It is you that manipulates 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. It is you that gets blindsided. It is you that doesn't put the gas in the tank. That's why there's no onus on the universe isn't fair. It's not supposed to be fair. But everyone gets 24 hours a day, and that's fair. Yeah. Right? So there's a tremendous amount of integrity that weaves through. So I just play with that. But I can articulate it, and I can help other people find 
ways to articulate it so that they have ways to put gas in the tank and air in the tank. Because when you have gas in your tank, eventually you're a mess. When you have air in your tires, eventually you're flat. Can you give us an example for somebody who's like, oh my gosh, what is she talking about? Like, Well, you know, again, it is my privilege to not have to. Because I don't care. Right. Right. So I don't mean that in a mean way. It's like. like, who's the passenger? Who's the passenger? Uh, Your mind. Okay. It's your mind that sits there and says, I want to go to meet my friend at three. I want to go meet my friend. Okay. Well, that's your mind. Well, now you have to have a conversation with your breath. Get me there. Mm -hmm. Right. Because Mm -hmm. you're not breathing. You're not going there. So driver's breath. Driver's breath. And vehicle is car. Right. So now you have to know the road to get there. You have to know what time to get there. Right. So you don't get joy if you make a date and you say, meet me there, but you show up four hours late. Right. Okay? So it's really knowing how to organize yourself in time and space. Okay? But that is what yoga is. Yoga isn't the gym. That's a piece of yoga. Right? Just like learning to read isn't um, the whole literacy game. Okay? That's the first thing you learn in the room is here's the poses, do them like this. Well, that's like saying, here's your alphabet, sound them out like this. Mm -hmm. But then one day you start realizing, oh, I get how to do the sequences and do the practice. Now comes the next piece is, why? Well, so that they get me someplace. Well, where do they want to get you? To a place where you feel safe, where you feel not overheated, where you feel you can take care of your health. Right. Right. Biggest wealth transfer of our age is healthcare. All the money will move through the medical profession. So um, that's where all the money goes. It does not go to family. It will not go to having new ideas. It will not go to helping others. It will go to keeping you alive at the end. Right. Okay. Um, 2,000 years ago, the biggest um, transfer of wealth was the church. Well, if you want to keep your own money, then take care of yourself. If you want to decide how to transfer your wealth, you can't get sucked in and really believe that someone's going to fix you. Right. Right. So there's no money in the real spiritual game. On the other hand, the minute, in a sense, it starts moving to the mainstream, they figure out ways to make money off it, which is fine. But you have to know if you have the money, you can still smell the flowers. Mm -hmm. So if you can't buy oils, go outside. Mm -hmm. 20 minutes smelling flowers is much better meditation than sitting in a stuffy room and burning an incense that has nothing to do with your culture. Right. So you have to be cognizant of... What are you buying? You know, why? So, you know, yogis wore skulls and bones. Mm-hmm. They made sure that you didn't want to go near them. Right? They were not militant. They did not join armies. And they were not particularly social. So, uh, you know, you have to revise the concept. The magician, to pull the rabbit out of the hat, does not mean um, that you're flying in your body. It means that you have a way to bring the all. Right? But it has to be real. And that's why you never hide a tiger and pull him out because the tiger would rip you apart while he's sitting in your clothes. Right. So it's so practical. Magicians know. You put the rabbit in the hat. Right? You hide them and then you give the person an all. And it's part of the deal now. It's supposed to be in nature. And that's why you fly with the mind to imagination, but you don't fly a body without a plane. Okay? But you can learn to read in the body without something external. So there are things you can do, things you can't do. My first game is do what you can do really well. Use your 24 hours really well. 
use your senses really well. Use your embodiment really well. We talked um, about how Chinese medicine plays also a role in Katona yoga. And I'd like to know, um, so is Katona yoga, do you see it as a, a, a form of healing as well? Like we've talked a lot about medicine and... Yes, well, you know, again, it's language, right? right? But it's also because, how do I say, uh, it's like somebody came to her and says, is, is you know, this yoga therapeutic? And you're going, all yoga is therapeutic. Right. But all life is therapeutic. You are only alive to have an experience for 80 years, 90 years. But it's all about use it well. So, uh, you know, in some ways, what one really has to do is think well. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, but you can be taught to think well. If you're literate, you can think better. Right? So Chinese medicine, Chinese theory is very pragmatic. It plays with great nature. Right? It, again, it is, um, you find in every, there's nothing new. So it's really in what age, what information is allowed to be discovered through what group. Right. But everyone's doing it. There's been yoga everywhere. There's Egyptian yoga. There's Mexican yoga. We're talking thousands of years. Right. right? It's like saying that pasta is Italian, but actually pasta was from China. Right? So the world is very small. Mm -hmm. Right? And everything's open source. And the minute one person knows something, it's in the air. Mm -hmm. So really the game is use everything. Mm -hmm. I like the dance because they're very practical. They talk about there are four seasons. Mm -hmm. After spring, there's always summer. Mm -hmm. After summer, there's always autumn. After autumn, there's always winter. So this is part of their map. Mm -hmm. Okay. Once you know it, it doesn't mean it's the only map to use, but those are great recipes. Mm -hmm. So I think anybody's techniques that have value. Now I don't you know, I need techniques that don't have value, and the ones that don't have values, the ones that don't hold up. They don't have ethics. I really don't need nice. them. What are Naveen's techniques? Um, my techniques tend to be very nice. By nature, I'm very nice. I um, try to fulfill my obligations, right? My techniques are um, very generous, right? Um, so in some ways, I'm very ethical. I have good virtue, and that's very helpful today. That's also why I'm very successful, because you know, people like the sky people and Dages and so they love me because they should. Because mm -hmm. I'm kind, I do the best I can and they're independent. So and they're my peers. Right? It's very different than a paternal game. Um I know how to teach certain things. Then I go home and I do what I want. Mm -hmm. Other people might want to learn my stuff. They go home and they're very talented somewhere else. Okay? I don't think I'm more talented just because I can teach them what I know. Okay? Again, it saves me. So, mm -hmm. you know, so those are part of my tricks, right? It keeps me safe. I don't need to know people's psychology. It's not my business. Plus, it's not true. They've been lied to. They believe things that aren't even true, right? Um, minds are overrated. I know the minute you get to where you really want to go, you forgive everything. And if you don't get what you want, you forgive nothing. So it really has to do with technique. Learn how to show up at the right place at what time, and then you'll forgive because you'll be happy. But if you don't get to the right place at the right time, you'll be unhappy and you'll feel other people pushed you into the wrong place. Well, learn to relapse, learn to get over it, learn not to lose your mind. Best way not to lose your mind is get enough air in your brain. Best way to get enough air in your brain is learn techniques. So it keeps going back to, you know, I'm gonna teach you how to make a really good cookie. Here's the recipe. If it doesn't come out right, call me, right? Then we go through it. 
let's see, was your oven not calibrated? Mm -hmm. Did you not follow the ingredients? Mm -hmm. Is the proportions wrong? Mm -hmm. If you did everything and it doesn't come out right, get another recipe. Mm -hmm. But if we know it's a great recipe and it doesn't come out right, then the trick is to see what don't you know that stop you from getting what you want out of it. So it's not harder than that. But our techniques are mind-body breath. So I teach a lot of breathing techniques. Mm -hmm. I teach a lot of meditative circuits. And I teach a lot of asana. And I tell people put it together. But that's like I teach you how to tune your instrument. Mm -hmm. teach you how to read the score. Mm -hmm. I teach you how to look at the timing on the score. And I tell them to practice it. Then come to the orchestra and play with others. And then everyone plays so nicely together that in the end, everyone's applauding each other and going, we're so grateful. That's the goal. The goal is not to feel diminished. Right. It's not a classroom. No, it's not. No, no. So it doesn't feel like that in there anyway. It's not designed for that. But it doesn't mean people don't need to do other stuff. Right. So people that start with us, we always say go elsewhere. Right? Go elsewhere, learn everything, then come back. Then, of course, you learn something great, teach us. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I'm not stupid. I mean, that's the bottom line. Somebody says, what happens if somebody opens up a yoga studio down the street from you? Oh, or one person said, I don't want to open up down the street from you because you're my friend. I look and said, I'd much rather you open up down the street from somebody I don't know. Right? right? I'd much rather another baker in town who I'm friends with. Well, when I'm tired of my bakers, I'll go to you. Right. If you're closed, you can send your people to me. Right. right? Uh, you know, I'm very maternal. I have children, right? I know how to farm. I'm very, you know, I'm confident. Um, I encourage everybody to make product, right? I always have to make stuff, do stuff, because if you produce, um, first you really um, have something to show for what you do, mm -hmm. right? The second piece, I mean, the reason I make products is because so many people take my material, mm -hmm. right, and use it, right? And the way for me not to be a little like anxious that I see stuff verbatim, mm -hmm. right? Is I make my own product and then I don't care. Mm -hmm. Because as long as I make my cookies, God bless you, make your cookies. Right. Right? Now, if your cookie really is the exact recipe of my cookie, right? Please put a little note saying, really inspired by. <laughs> really yeah. inspired by the right. Just Or Katona. Right, or Katona. Because um, it's open source, people can take anything they want. Open book, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couple questions for you. Okay. Twenty four hours with Naveen. Like twenty four hours, we talked about it. It's super important. Like it's all we have in one day. Uh, so what good. is Naveen's twenty four hours? Good, like? Okay, so my twenty four hours in a day. Normally, I get up at about six o'clock in the morning. Okay. Right? Naturally. Naturally, right? The you know just my open up at six is also where I live. My bed has a skylight right over. Oh, and nice. I'm outside. And I live really. I have a farm, so you know I know how to farm. So you know. I have chickens, I have goats, wow. I used to have sheep, I do big gardens, I grow most of our produce, our raspberries, our blueberries, our blackberries. Yum. When I was 25, 26, and I moved up here, um, I had my first daughter, so I must have been 27, and I met a girl, she was German, she was a couple years younger than me, and she was an organic farmer in Germany. She was taught by a dynamic. So I taught her yoga, and she taught me gardening. Cool. So I know all my sign material, but I'm a biodynamic farm. I've, my farms have been organic for 39 years now. Wow. Yes. So I do know how, you know, so so when you say, what do I do my 24 hours a day? Right? So I get up, 
Normally, I go with my husband for a walk in the park, the reservation, which is right next to us. It's, uh, it takes one hour, it's three miles. So okay. I walk with him. Then I come home and I have my coffee. Then right now I'm building a teepee outside, so I don't spend an hour to do that. Then I come to the studio, right, and I work a bit, right, and teach or whatever. Then usually in the afternoon I go home, I garden, right, um, make things, then I cook dinner, then I read books, then I go to bed, and then I do it again. Cool. And my yoga's in there, right? So normally I can put in two hours of yoga a day, you know, two hours of gardening a day. Cooking and I don't clean very much, but I do cook still. And who cleans in the house? I have a housekeeper. Yes, I was wondering when I said you two to three hours a yoga day. Well, I can because my children are 36, 35, and 33. So I don't have children in the house anymore. It's just me and my husband. And you're taking care of everything. And I'm not taking care of myself. The rooms. Right. And I'm smart enough to know that um, since I only have a certain amount of time. And there are things I really like to do. How do I manage it? And I manage it by not watching TV. So okay. that is the way I manage it because my husband likes to watch. And so I know, oh, I'll watch his movies and I do my thing. Right? But also, I don't lose time that way because I really like to read. So that has always been mm. my nature. So where somebody else might be putting three, four hours on TV, well, I get those three, four hours. Or be like, screw it, I'll watch TV with him, but I don't really right. feel like it. But I don't. I don't. He doesn't care about that. He yeah. knows, you know, it's been too long we've been yeah. doing it. I, um, so I go to bed early. I'm in bed. I'm asleep by nine, which is why it's so easy for me to get up at six. I'm very physical. Anytime I agree to teach, I always show up. Mm -hmm. Right? And even if I don't want to, but that that's big for me. I've learned a lot, like, just don't even think about it. You just say you're going to do something, just show up. Yeah. So I don't waste time when I don't have to. I do rounded plows every day for my practice. Usually I take an hour in a rounded plow practice, but that's because it's very self-soothing. Mm -hmm. So I tend not to teach Shavasana, and most Katona people don't. But it's not that Shavasana isn't good. Uh, I used to teach Shavasana for 20 years. It's just I only have so much time, mm -hmm. and I'll teach you this, and you go home and rest. Mm -hmm. So that's why people need other techniques because someone else is going to teach them a shavasana that they're just going to die for. Yeah. Uh, 35 years ago, we used to do with tuning forks, right? Right. So, uh, you know, and then I stopped, but now you go to room and they know how to use the right. tuning So, you know, it comes and it goes and nothing is, in, is codified in stone. Right. Right. A recipe is great until all of a sudden the ingredient comes out or until... Everyone's eating kale. Uh, right. <laughs> and then you go, I don't like that anymore. Yeah. Or then you realize, oh, this was so old and now it's back in fashion. Totally. Yeah. Um, you have so much energy. How do you, like, calm Absolutely. down? I do rounded plows. I do my practice. It's like anything. It's, um, uh, you know, it's really, um, I sleep incredibly well. Right? So we have to you get your energy out. out. Yes. And then I know calm. how to work hard. Yeah. Right. So when I'm done, I also know how to rest hard. I know how to do nature. I know how to spend hours in nature. So I know how to get things done in nature. So nature is very quiet. I keep bees. Okay. So last year we did um, 80 pounds of honey. Wow. Now, I do have a beekeeper helping me, right? But... You don't want to get bitten. No, I don't mind being stunned at all. Oh, really? Just, right. Because I know how to do it. Right. Right. But on the other hand, how much time do I have? Also, it is not my expertise. So my expertise is to help. My expertise is to go to the flowers. My expertise is to say, you know, as a passenger, 
right? Take me here. Well, then others have to help. And that's why everything involves others. We could not do Katona if if there weren't others that were so capable. Yeah. I mean, it, that's why it's not my yoga. It's a technique. True. That's it. Then True. Once, you know, then you need other people to help you do the technique. When you feel like crap, what do you do? Rounded plows. Okay, this is like your thing. Yes. Or I do pranayama. I have great Can you explain to, to what people who don't know what that is? So, so you know, asana is origami for bodies. Right. And origami is asana for paper. Right. Okay? So, if you understand origami at all, the big magic in origami is to start with a flat piece of paper. Right. Two-dimensional. Right. Just back and the front. Mm -hmm. If you don't know anything about the paper, you don't really know it has potential to become a cup mm -hmm. or to be a boat or to be a party hat. You might, if you have a pen here, you realize, oh, I can write on it, mm -hmm. okay? So paper's potential is really very dependent on the third per um, the third principle, which is you, knowing mm -hmm. how to manipulate it. Well, um, so when you take a piece of paper and know how to fold it right, you make a boat. Well, now you can flip it. You unfold the same piece of paper, you make a hat. Now you can make it. You unfold the same piece of paper, you make a cup. You can fill it. So the whole game is knowing how to fold it, you can manipulate its function. And if it's well done, then the function should hold water. Right. So boats that don't float aren't good enough. Right. Cups that don't hold water, honestly, don't waste your time. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't keep learning until you can do it right. right. But you wouldn't sit there and sell it. Right. Okay? So asana is the same thing. Each asana, now you're not two-dimensional, you're three-dimensional. Right. You have a front and a back and an inside. Right. So when you play with paper, you fold paper in half right. because you're looking for the fit of corners. Right. But when you fold people, you fold them for the fit of right. balls and mitts, right. eyeballs and eye sockets, tongues and mouth, right. that you're designed to fit. Right. Right? So asana is a fit game. Right. Knowing how to fold what, to do what, so right. things fit. And when they fit, they change function. So when you do a wheel, mm -hmm. what it does is flushes your liver, mm -hmm. opens up your vision, and cleans your eyes. So about three, four years ago, my eyes were getting a little different because you know they start changing shape as you get older, right? So I did in that year because I had the calendar, so I'm watching this down. I did 2,200 wheels. Yeah, I know because every time I do 10 wheels, I put an X on the calendar. Uh -huh. So it was a game that I knew I had 365 days, and I was going to try to really get them in. So at the end of the year, I counted all my Xs, and it was 220, so it meant 2,200 wheels. Well, after doing those backbends for the year, um, my vision cleaned up. Because that's its job, right? Is to play. just like you can use a windshield wiper. Right. It has a job. So a rounded plow is a very specific pose. It is when you lie down and then you flip your legs over your head, right. and in the end you put your knees in your ears, and it allows you to hear the ocean of the breath, the sound of the breath of the ocean, flushing through like a snail in the shell. Okay. So it's really designed for self-soothing. Okay. So what it does is it soothes the kidneys, soothes the lungs, it feeds the brain, and allows you to get over it, right? Most people, as they get older, the big defeats can't get up. So a rounded plow flips the game so that you can, mm -hmm. right? So it's also the fastest way to um, heal your kidneys and make sure you have enough stamina mm -hmm. because stamina has to do with air your tires, okay? And those are the kidneys. So this is where you have to know enough theory to know, in a sense, well, why should I make this meal and not that meal? Right. Okay? So we always know if you need to rest, do like a forward bend, right? Because 
you know, you're not being stimulated. Right. But if you need to party, do a wheel. Mm-hmm. Well, when you need to nap, listen to a lullaby. When you need to go to a party, start listening to sort of happier music. Right. Because you want to get in the mood. Right. right? So that's where you start understanding the science of hatha. Is that that is the goal of all hatha practice. You do this practice, you're going to get that. You do that practice, you're going to get this. So when I read somebody's practice, because a lot of these teachers have their signature practices. Right. So Bikram's practice or Yashtanga practice. Well, it's like a piece of music. It's scored. Yeah. You know exactly the timing. Sure. You know how many jumps and how many reps. I can read the score before I'm going to do it. Right. Right. And then I know what it's going to give me. Right. So uh, if it's well scored, I should get the feeling that that teacher wanted to give me. So I love the Ashtanga practice. It's like Mozart. Yeah. It's fast, jump, it's lyrical. I used to do a ton of it when I was in my 30s. It's not my practice for now, right? Because I don't need to do that. What right. I need to do is soothe my kidneys, make sure that I'm not stiff, make sure I have the stamina that I can play with others. Well, I'm not going to use my stamina to do a practice like right. that. I'm going to do a different practice so I have the stamina to come out and have a life. Got it. So, so is that helpful? That's very helpful. I have two last okay. important questions. Okay. Um, so what is the Savoir Vivre of Naveen and of Katona? The way of life, the motto, how would, you know, what would you describe it as? Um, I would say um, be sensible. Use, use your senses. The goal is to become really powerful, super sensible. So my motto really is to um, use what I've given. You know, so use your eyes, see what's going on and, you know, look around, be reflective and catch the memories and catch the vision, right? Here, right, put yourself in the middle of your circumstances and know that hearing is stereophonic and make sure you know what you're listening to, knowing that lots of things are true, but it doesn't mean you should be listening to it, right? right? Um, know how to articulate so that you know that speech, which is the dialogue of the heart, which has fire in it, can be used to really make a beautiful meal to burn down the house. So in some ways, really, the game for me is use what I was given. It's like these are the ingredients. Right. Right. And, um, you know, make a good product. <laughs> right. Totally. Right. You know, do it well. Right. And know that it takes not just you, but you have to do it in reflection, knowing that you don't just want to sing. You want the audience also to applaud. Uh, yeah, and okay. you don't want to jump, talk. You want the conversation, right? Because the real magic is when there's cross references, right? So was it Steiner once said, if you want to see, no, somebody asked was the Steiner Evan Wentz who edited the Tibetan Book of the Dead, mm-hmm. right? Who was like you know big material that Jung spent a lot of time reading, and somebody and he taught Celtic myths and fairy tales. And the Celtics once, he asked one of the Celtic people, old people, like, um, have you ever seen a fairy? Right? And they said, oh, yes, all the time. Right? Fairies always show up where species make contact with each other. Because mm-hmm. anytime there's contact, there's going to be a spark. Yeah. There's going to be a spent, a spirit. There's going to be something new. So it is to have really... Use your resources. Right. And uh, make good contact. 
Okay. Which is a perfect way to end with the last question is what is your key to success in life? That is so lovely. Well, first, I'm a terrible business person. So that's not my key to success. But I'm getting <laughs> better because you have to know when to change and, you know, change the game. But I think the real success is having virtue. Because I know the most important thing, and I'm very into so Ashton is think well, speak well, do good deeds. You know, make effort, right? Um, like cosmic orbit is if you want grace, make effort, right? If fire rises and water descends, know how to mediate so mm -hmm. that, you know, you can use your fires and your water so you can be graceful. So That's perfect. Yeah. You're Thank great. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for being Anytime. here. Anytime. Thank you. You're the best, Naveen. <laughs>